me ask you, the government actually has an estimate of how many stray dogs are in Taiwan. What was their estimate for last year? Stray dogs in Taiwan mm -hmm. last year. I think you need to go first, Leslie. Um, Take a wild guess. <laughs> stray dogs, like 250,000? Okay. I'm going to say, oof, that's a good guess. 250,000. Okay, 249,999. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's take a look at the answer. Yes, I win. You're closer. 146,773. That's They're very good. specific, right? Yeah, it's very specific. <laughs> How do they get that kind of a specific guess? I don't guess? know. They do it by... What's this all about? Why are they doing that? What's going on here? It's Curious John. What is he curious about today? Taiwan's neighbor to the south, the Philippines, is increasingly making its presence felt here. A mixed community of migrant workers, white-collar professionals, and permanent immigrants has grown up in recent years. Blogger and media personality Jem is at the center of it all. She runs YouTube channel Hello Phil Thai, and she appears on TV and at events too, all with the goal of bridging the gap between Taiwan and the Philippines. Last week, she joined us for an overview of who is coming to Taiwan from the Philippines and why. This week, we're continuing our discussion with a look at problems Philippine workers can face here. We'll also hear more about the Philippine community, as well as Jem's own story of coming to Taiwan, and her views on efforts to bring the Philippines into Taiwan schools. When Filipinos here run into problems with their employer, uh, what resources do they have? They don't. Nothing? Yeah, it's difficult. Just to be fair with the Taiwanese government, we do have hotlines, but many of them can't call because these call agents are speaking in Mandarin and other things, they speak in English. So it's quite difficult for some Filipinos because they can't really express what's in their heart. When I had my translation class, we were told by our instructor that there's no Filipino colleagues because there are less problems from the Filipinos. But what they don't know is no one's calling because you can't talk to any Filipino agent. Although I tried to call 1999 and the service has improved a bit. They're going to connect you to someone that can speak in Filipino. And they don't know that Filipinos have different dialects. To get back to your question, like, how? First, they contact their agent. Mm -hmm. And then with the factory workers, they call it uh, their coordinator with the broker. Many of them are given the option of just going home to the Philippines. Like, you know the feeling that you don't have a choice, so you just have to agree and you just have to get back to the Philippines and your dreams are gone. Right. That kind of feeling. We have MECO, that's Manila Economic and Cultural Office, but because of the limited people and the number of demands for help, many just settled for, like, I'm just going to get home. Yeah, maybe Taiwan's not for me. <laughs> 
I feel bad because I really wanted my Filipino friends to really have that kind of security in Taiwan. Since I know Taiwanese people are really kind. I hope the hotlines would really employ Filipinos so that when they call, they have just someone to talk to. Now, you mentioned that there are so many different languages spoken in the Philippines. Yeah. People coming to Taiwan come from all over the islands. Is there a sense of community solidarity, or do people from different areas or ethnic groups tend to hang out with each other only? It's not about ethnicity. They gather differently because of the church. 90% of the Filipinos are Roman Catholic. So normally, they would gather on the area where there's this Roman Catholic church. So they function together, they do events together on that area. Taiwan is the big island, and it's difficult to gather all the Filipinos at one place because each area are free to, to have their own events. For me, Filipinos still are proud to be part of the Filipino community. Even in the Philippines, we're mixed. Like, even if you're from Manila, there are a lot of Visaya or Cebu there. Right. We have one language we use to communicate to each other, since we have a lot of dialects, right? So we use Filipino. What made yeah. you yourself decide to come to Taiwan and start a new life here? I fell in love. I decided to leave my life in, in the Philippines and come here and live with my beloved. You know, love, move everything. I'm an English teacher then, but I, I quit my job for my kids. So right now I'm a full-time mom and uh, I do some events. I'm a host as well. I have a YouTube that's Hello Phil Thai. And I also have my own Facebook page. I'm a blogger. So that's the same Hello Phil Thai. I really wanted to like improve services towards the working population because I know how good and kind-hearted Taiwanese people are. And I hope that some other friends would have the same experience and would be the real Taiwanese. What sorts of things have you done to help fellow Filipinos here? Since 2007, that's the year I came here, I, I made a network organization. So that's why it's like a media for the Filipinos. We gather, we post some events, we share information, and I've been like a counselor to them. So if they have a problem like with employers and their companies, they come to send me a message. Even if I don't know them, people would like recommend the page and they would ask some questions and I would give suggestions. And then apart from being a counselor for 24 hours, I also encourage people to help other people, not only here in Taiwan, but most especially back in the Philippines. So we do donations like clothing, toys, and food. So I've been doing that for 12 years. Since 2013, many more media come to know field time. So I appeared on TV shows and I have a lot of online interviews or like magazine features. So it's like more on uplifting and boosting the reputation of the Filipino people, allowing the Taiwanese to know the working population of the Filipinos right here is just like less than 1% of what really Filipino is. That's really less than what they should know about us. When you first came here, how well did people from Taiwan know the Philippines? Not well. The, the stereotype they have based on the domestic helpers and caregivers and the factory workers. That's one reason I, I created that kind of network because I wanted to introduce that there are a lot of Filipino good teachers like I do. Because when I came here, I was very fortunate to be part of an English school. I have the same pay as what the native speakers are paying. I'm glad because it gave me a ray of hope that Taiwanese do appreciate Filipinos. The reason why they have that kind of stereotype because it's that kind of thing they see for so many years. 
What have you made of the recent sort of pivot that we've had here in Taiwan towards Southeast Asia, this new southbound policy with lots of encouragement uh-huh, uh-huh, of, yeah. to learn about our neighbors to the south and uh, also to start teaching Southeast Asian languages in schools? Have you felt any effects of that in your daily life or the recognition of Filipinos here? I believe so, because 2017, I went to the Filipino language training to get to know it myself, because I'm a blogger, so I wanted to share to the Filipino spouses here that you should try it, and it's not that difficult. So when I went there, I get to know how they wanted to introduce the language, and to be very honest with you, I was the one who recorded the voice for the audio. Really? For the textbook. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this part here is beneficial, most especially if they would introduce it to all the students. Some other Taiwanese or locals are quite interested in the language. This is nice because they would learn the culture. Yeah, so that's one impact of introducing the language. The second impact is that Taiwanese, the locals, and the children, they would get to see, wow, there are Filipino teachers. Wow, that's different. Not only the typical domestic helper, not the typical factory worker or the caregivers. Wow, there's a teacher. So, you know, there's a different kind of familiarity there that's happening in everyday life. So the bullying of having, a, like, you know, the stereotype of having a Southeast Asian mother, especially from Philippines and Indonesia and all the rest, they would feel like, no, I, we should stop it because, you know, that's our teacher. He's a teacher. So they would earn a different kind of respect. And with the southbound policy, which is really mainly focused on tourism, you know, the greatest impact it does because I live in a heavily visited area. Many of the Filipinos come here. The locals would say, oh, you're a Filipino? Because it responds to their typical stereotypes. So that's the big impact there. Like, not... All Filipinos here in Taiwan are workers. A lot of them right now are tourists. That's true. There is a a visa sort of, I don't know if it's a visa waiver program, but uh, they're making it easier to come and visit. Yeah, because of the free visa. And, you know, I I guess you're familiar with the gold ARC? A kind of residency permit for highly skilled professionals. That's also a part of the southbound policy. And with that, that requires professional Filipinos. So, you know, that opens another gate of professionals coming in here in Taiwan. So they get to know there are a lot of businessmen coming in here already. And uh, there are a lot of professionals like engineers. Just a few, few weeks ago, I did a speech introducing the English teachers and the English schools back in the Philippines. So the locals are like, oh my God, really? There is this school in the Philippines teaching English? So more and more Taiwanese are happy with their experience of learning English in the Philippines. So that's one good thing about southbound policy. As Taiwan and the Philippines get better acquainted, Jem will be here to help the process along. Her Taiwanese-Filipino family and her success in Taiwan's media make her a living example of just how much the friendship between these two neighbors can achieve. Once again, you can follow Jem at her YouTube channel, Hello Phil Thai. That's P-H-I-L as in the Philippines and T-A-I as in Taiwan. I'm Curious John, and I'll see you again next week. Stroke of Light, a portrait of Taiwan through the eyes of painters, sculptors, filmmakers, and photographers. Hello and welcome to Stroke of Light. In the last few weeks, we have been exploring the comic book paintings by a Spanish painter called Juan Cornella. 
the artist has managed to examine, dissect, and critique many of the social issues that runs rampant in our world today. In the past episodes, we examined several themes that are present in his work. These include the obsession over the image of self in the social media age, the increasing prominence of violent, lewd, and crass behaviors and language that are both in the media and the public sphere, among others. When we look at his work as a whole, we can see that Cornella uses a ton of very shocking elements to drive home his point. Blood is spilled. In some of the paintings where accidents happen, people lose limbs and even get killed. Images of filth, such as people crapping on others in public, is often on full display. This does beg the question: Does the use of such extreme imagery really help drive home the point? Or is it a choice in the superficial aesthetics that, in the end, does little in the way of enhancing the argument? To answer that question, let's look at an older and arguably more established comic book artist who adopts the similar type of aesthetics. His name is Robert Crumb. When Juan Cornella still chooses to mix elements of blood and filth with others that are fun, easygoing, and light-hearted, Robert Crumb doesn't try to dampen anything in his work. One of the most famous or infamous, depending on where you sit, collection of Crumb's comic book illustration is called the Bible of Filth, and its content is just that: it is filled with some really filthy and nasty and revolting images. Men are often portrayed as either do-no-good adults or sex-crazed and power-hungry public figures. Women, on the other hand, are often painted as either sex objects or fame-obsessed shoppers, and everybody's appearance is painted with this extremely cartoony proportion. Men usually appear to be hunched over with buck teeth sticking out, and women often have disproportionate hips and arms. Crumb's comic strips have been highly popular and extremely controversial since the 1960s. Naturally, his work focuses on a set of issues that are both different from today's issues and similar in nature. These include the objectification and oversexualization of women, the abuse of political power, the obsession over fame, etc. And the characters under his pen are willing to do all kinds of unbelievably nasty behaviors, ranging from sexual intercourses to things that I don't care to talk about really on a radio program. In a sense, Robert Crumb, an American cartoon artist, is the guy who defines the filth genre of comic book drawing, and Cornella simply continues that trend in his own manner. When Crumb first burst onto the scene, he received a large amount of backlash, both from the public and from his peers. Comic strips, after all, was expected to be light-hearted and wholesome, but Crumb was the first person to embrace the underbelly of society and to turn it upside down to show it to the public in his own way. He portrays just how ugly, filthy, non-savory human behaviors can be, 
and he puts his viewer on a front row seat to force him to look at the scene, whether they are ready for that or not. Presenting subject matters that are cruel, upsetting, and even revolting in any art medium is difficult, and it is especially difficult in comic drawing where people's expectations and attention is often not up to snuff. However, I still think there is a need for artists like Crumb and Cronella because their work serves as a fun mirror that reflects the misbehaviors that we all are involved in to different degrees. We need to look at our works like theirs to gauge what we believe is normal in a different manner. Thank you for listening to this episode and to this mini-series. I hope Juan Cornelas' comic has opened a door to a side of art that is perhaps not often seen in the mainstream. Next week, we'll turn our attention to a new exhibition. For Stroke of Light, I'm Jake Chan, and I'll talk to you then. together already. It's time to feast! Sit down at the table with Andrew Ryan and Ellen Chu on Feast Meets West. Hello, welcome to the feast. And this is Ellen Chu. And this is Andrew Ryan. How are you doing today, Ellen I'm doing Ellen just Chiu. fine. And how are you doing? I am doing just fine. It's a stressful Ooh. day for me, Ellen Chu. You know why? Why? Because I'm hosting a three-hour live election special tonight on RTI, 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. Elections, man. I can't wait for it to be over. I want it to be over, like, you know, today, okay, or any day, (laughs) right at any moment, because, you know, it's getting a little bit too much. Too much, right? Don't you feel like, it doesn't matter if we're talking about Taiwanese elections, U.S. elections, like, I think the U.K. elections, like many countries in the world, it seems like elections are becoming more and more divisive. Yes, divisive, and also it's kind of like a disease that spreads around, and people's, you know, emotion get affected. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, if we're all going for democracy and being democratic, is that we should be able to accept different views, Mm. you know, and not be divisive among our own self. I think that is true. Right, because, you know, for me, if someone walks to me and tells me that they're voting for the person that I'm not voting for mm. I'm fine with it mm-hmm. you know I wouldn't be like okay you're not my friend or you know I'm not going to talk to you or I try to convince them to vote for the candidate I want well don't you think most people are pretty dug in at this point like I don't think there's a whole lot of wavering is there I think there this year there are some wavering yeah yeah but I think you know we shouldn't be using our own views to affect other people's you know mm. you know voting 
promise some people are just dumb. Oh, no, I'm just kidding. Some people are what? <laughs> I was going to say just dumb. Are you divisive? Are you divisive? See, that was mean. I can't. E- even though you don't have the right to vote, but, you know, do, do you feel that you're divisive? Divisive? No, I'm a nice guy. I'm a super nice guy. Have okay. I, have I ever told you to vote for somebody or not vote for somebody? No. Exactly. Right. But exactly. inside yourself, do you feel that, you know, you're more lean to one oh, yeah. or the other? Yeah, for sure. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. tell me later when they were playing music. No, I won't. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're wearing blue and green. That is right. <laughs> See, I try to get all the different colors, right? So I, I cover my bases. Okay. Yeah. Great. You're wearing black. What does that mean? <laughs> Colorless. It contains all the color in the uh, entire world. Oh, I love it, Ellen, okay. too. Or it's none of the color. No, white is all the colors. Black is none of the colors. Right. So okay. none of the colors. So there you go. Okay, right. there you go. So at any rate, we're not going to be talking about politics today, but we're going to be talking about something that everybody agrees on, which is food, right? Are you sure? Oh, wait, right. Nobody agrees about food. Right. And when it comes to eating, like in my household, we only have four people. We're always voting on the restaurant we're going to. Really? And it's always like divisive. Okay? Can I ask you, in your household, when it comes to eating, is mm-hmm. it a democracy or is it an autocracy? Uh, usually we take turns, okay? So it's among the kids. Like parents, we don't really have any, you know, decision power. It's like, okay, if the kids all want to eat this, then we eat that. But if they say, mom, we want like Coke and McDonald's every day. I say day. no. See, so it's, a, it's not a democracy. Right. So, <laughs> I mean, those are things that you know that it's not okay during the weekdays. But on weekends, it's an option for them. So what you're saying is, is that your electorate, you can't trust them to make these decisions. Right. So you have a voting age. <laughs> I do. They have a voting age. And, you know, because they're underage, that's why there are certain selections that is not an option. So how old do you think your kids need to be in order to allow them to, like, really vote and, like, get what they want? Probably after high school, college. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Because even, you know, the the students that I have at, you know, my school, mm. they're all the way up to age 17 and a half or 18. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think a lot of times they do not select the right choice. Right. So maybe 18 would be a good age. Right. Because 18, you're kind of like, you know, in a life where you feel like you're really mature enough to make decisions that you, like, you know, in 18, when you go to college, you really feel that, oh, I need to exercise mm-hmm. other than just study. Right. I need to make decision on how to manage my time and mm. life. So you are making really adult decisions. Mm. But when you're a high schooler, a lot of the main decisions are still made by your household or parents. True. Right? The only decision you have to make is, do I want to study hard or not? Right? <laughs> do I want to listen to my... Uh, right. Do I want to listen to mom or dad? <laughs> do I want right? to listen to the dictator right. of our household? <laughs> so the thing is that they are not really mature enough or have the ability to do like decision making mm. for the entire household, especially a meal. Mm. You know? Fascinating. Because if you... Let them select. It will be fast food every day. Okay? So, I don't think that is a good choice. I mean, if they're able to make mature choices, like, you know, good and healthy and, you know, a variety of choices, then I think I can allow them. Yeah. Right, 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 right. right. I I usually don't say no, but Mm. I just say... Well, can we have choices other than 
fast food. Right. And then my kids will select something else. That's good. See, mm-hmm. that works. I don't usually say no. It's democracy within limits. Exactly. All righty. Well, in today's program, uh, I chose what we're going to be eating. <laughs> I hope you don't mind. <laughs> well, depends. If you're going to bring that, you know, cricket thing back again, I would say no. No. See, even when I brought crickets in, I still let you decide whether you're going to eat it or right. not. Right. It's know. my choice. Yeah. See, I'm mature enough to say no. That's because I respect you, Alan Chu. Thank you very much. You're welcome. <laughs> Shall we have a look at what's on our menu today. Okay. Let's do it. Okay, in our first course, we'll tell you all about the most popular food during Taiwanese election, rice vermicelli, mi hun. Mm-hmm. In our second course, we're going to be tasting something made from frozen garlic, which you say in Mandarin, dong suan, which sounds like the word for get elected in Taiwanese. Right. You and hear it at this time of the year all the time. Yes. And in our third and final course, we'll be offering some great ways to heal yourself and others after a brutal election season. Wow. Mm, good heal. food for the soul, man. All right. All right. But first, a song is called Da Jia Lai Xuan Ju. Everybody come, I guess, get ele- uh, go. Go voting. Go vote. Yeah. Okay. That's right. So this is by Zhu Topi or Pickskin. <laughs> All right. Headskin. <laughs> Back in a moment when the peace continues. First course. All right, so what are the most popular election food in Taiwan? Why do we say rice vermicelli? Well, mm. there is a story behind that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That is right. So, and, in, and I'm surprised that it involves Food and Drug Administration of yeah. Taiwan. <laughs> yes. So the thing is with elections, so a lot of the campaigns, what they'll do is they'll get all of the supporters to come for a big event, some big activity, like mm-hmm. a big, like, rally and then they'll actually treat um all the supporters to a little bit of food and drink wow but you have to be careful you don't want to spend too much money otherwise it will violate election or campaigning rules Mm. um which would consider like if it was a really expensive meal that could be considered bribery right Mm -hmm. so what they do is a lot of the elections doesn't matter which party it is a lot of times they'll serve stir-fried rice vermicelli bihoon 
Right. Well, it represents local delicacy mm-hmm. and also that it's easy to make a whole bundle. Mm-hmm. And um, it's easy to uh, retain the freshness because if it's cold, it's still good. That's right. Right. And it doesn't go rotten easy. And with this, it's also it's it's inexpensive enough um, so that it doesn't cost the campaign too much. Um, but people feel like they've been taken care of, right? Like you've had a little right. meal. And because so, it's made of rice mm-hmm. instead of regular noodles, which are made of wheat, so it's actually more filling. Right. So you can have it and then you can still have the energy you need for the campaigning, right? Exactly. So the rally, they usually serve food like this. So in our, you know, Supreme Court, you know, <laughs> actually, you know, we're saying that if you serve rice vermicelli, it's okay. Mm-hmm. But if you have some pork chop, you know, over rice, you know, the pork chop might be like the really high-end pork chop, <laughs> then it's not okay. But, you know, how much is a bandang is going to cost, you know? Mm. So why would that be considered bribery? I don't know. I mean, I think it's it's kind of a gray area, and that's what the criticism is. Like, so if you have, you can have bihun, but what if you have, like, one extra thing? Does that constitute as bribery or not? Right, or it, it's stir-fried vermicelli. It's kind of like the thin noodle, right? Mm. So if you have the chow mein. <laughs> thick noodles. Thick noodles. <laughs> is that bribery, okay? I think they were just giving those as examples. So some of the things they say are bihun. They say, like, one of those little bian a bento box lunch. Or if you have gong wan tang, mm-hmm. so like pork ball soup, those are just examples of the kinds of foods that you can have. Mm. So, but some other things that are interesting about bihun is that actually, uh, if you stir fry it with the oil on it, that'll keep it uh, good for longer, right? Mm. Um, so you don't have to worry about it going bad, um, right. regardless of even if it's in a hot day, then it's it stays pretty good for pretty long. And another interesting fact is that uh, when it comes to the election period with all the rallies going on, mm-hmm. all the sales of mihun actually will you know increase about wu chen. So, so that 50%. is fifty percent. Fifty percent, huh? A 50% increase. And this is uh, the people that make them at the factories. Mm -hmm. They notice this huge increase in the sales of bihun at election time. So, you know, a lot of people are used to having these, you know, stir-fry mihun already. And if a rally without it... They feel that it doesn't feel like election time at all. <laughs> yeah. What? 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 So they have different ways. Like in the past, that people say, "Oh, topialame, have you mm-hmm. voted yet?" But maybe this year they'll say, "你吃米糊了吗?" Well, you know, have I you was in a semi rally, but I didn't get like mihun at all. You should protest, Ellen Chu. Yeah. <laughs> Got us nothing. <laughs> You're like, no bihun, no vote. Exactly. <laughs> and anyway, I think it's interesting that uh, mm-hmm. mihun uh, is become such an interesting election that rally it could food. could be correlated to, you know, election, right? Yeah. I wonder if they also see a huge rise in the number of like gong wan tang, like the pork ball soup as How well. How about mushroom in there? Yeah. You know, and carrots. That's too much Alan Chu. Really? Don't they they just stir fry mihun only? <laughs> no, I'm sure they do. I'm sure they, they do put a carrots, little bit of pork or pork, carrots and carrots. some, you know, mushroom, right? Some like green onions maybe or something. Right. I don't know. So they should, you know, tallyate 
that as it increased too. Yeah. Right? Check and see if your mushroom sales have gone up. And carrots, right? And carrots. Or maybe right. there's just a big uh, immigration of um, rabbits into the country. Ooh, you never okay. know. You never yeah. know. We're going to go into another song. What is this, Alan Chu? It's called... It's Jiami Hun Hua Xiu. Okay, so it's in Taiwanese and it's sort of like uh, some people eat bihun and others are just uh, joining along in spirit even though they may not be eating it. So it's like a difference of experience for people uh, who have different opportunities. This is by Taita and Huang Pala. Yeah. Yellow guava. Guava. <laughs> okay. Interesting name. All right. Okay. We're going to be back with some frozen garlic. Ooh. Uh, so you know how they say Dong Suan, right? Mm. At all the rallies, they say Dong Suan. Like Dong Suan. Get, you should win or you should get right. elected, right? It's like elected. Be elected. Yeah, so it sounds like frozen garlic. Well, when we come back in just a moment, I use frozen garlic to make something. Ooh. Mm. <laughs> 人比人氣死人你到底使比官比給比了後也較分裂黑雲灘無彩光人分人心拍拼趁就算到海龍死一間萬行地加高無聽加無走只那開了了你就這裡哭 啊哈！实在有够悲哀，红衣白流流。啊，有人在坐轿，啊，有人在扛轿，有人在吃米粉，有人在喝烧。Second course. Okay, so we are going to try out our second course, which is frozen garlic bread. So I made frozen, I made garlic bread, froze it, and then brought it out and toasted it. Mm. So it's a bit of a cheat because it's not really frozen garlic. Okay. It was before I toasted it. <laughs> so... The entire uh, spread contains like garlic in there, right? Mm. Mm. So, wow, I think there's also other spice, right? Like mm -hmm. rosemary. So what I did was I took a stick of unsalted butter mm -hmm. and you add about a half teaspoon of all of these. So about half teaspoon of parsley, uh, thyme, uh, basil, you can use rosemary. And then a quarter teaspoon of salt and a quarter teaspoon of pepper. And mm -hmm. then five cloves of garlic mashed up. And, you, and then two tablespoons of olive oil and you mix it all together. And then you spread it across um, slices of bread. Mm -hmm. And then you freeze them. You like lie them out on a cookie sheet and you freeze them. And once they're frozen, then you can put them in Ziploc bags. Uh -huh. And then whenever you want garlic bread, you just take it out and you can toast it for five minutes at 450 and you're good to go. Mmm. What do you think, Alan Chu? I think it's amazing. But, you know, with all the ingredients that you put in, 
I think it's just amazing that I'm sitting here and having it, and that's it, okay? I don't want to remember all the ingredients. Because usually, <laughs> usually when we think of garlic bread, it's just like butter. Mm-hmm. And, you know, simply put some dice of garlic and blend it together. We can and do you that. You so much stuff. Just for you, Ellen Chu. Thank you. You know, you need something to, you know... Give you sustenance in this, the, you know, when you're so busy. If you want me to say, you know, Andrew Dong Swan. Yes, please. Just make this, okay? <laughs> she's gonna, you got my vote. She's going to elect me as the official so food maker. So January 11th, mm-hmm. I'm casting my vote <laughs> to Andrew Ryan. But don't okay? write me in on your ballot because it's wasting your vote. Dong <laughs> Swan. I'm writing it in, you know, RTI. I like that. Okay? I like that. So I'm I'm gonna continue being the guy who's cooking stuff for the show. You're not gonna get rid of me. No. Okay. You're not you gonna vote me out of office for another year. Okay. Can I can I leave my you post? You almost got out because of the crickets. Okay. You almost got yourself off the ballot because of the crickets. But you just want yourself another year. Term in office. Okay. okay. How long is my term in office? One year. One- <laughs> Wow. See the pressures of being a... Our term in office is like annual. Okay? <laughs> so you can get rid of me after a year. All right. Wow. So we're going to go into another song. Luckily, he has been improving. Yes, thank majorly. you. I've been trying, Ellen Chu, just mm. for you. Okay. So this next song is called Mengxiang Dong." So your dreams have been frozen. Kind of like the garlic mm. in our bread. But kind of like our you know, New Year resolution. It's oh always goodness. frozen. <laughs> Do you know what's hilarious? I went back and listened to that show, mm-hmm. and I didn't even remember what my resolution for this year was. So I said, it's frozen. <laughs> frozen in our head, frozen in our show. You're going to laugh so hard next year when you hear what it is. Really? I'm not going to tell you what it is. It's so funny. Okay. You can go back and listen to the show if you want, but All I'm right. not going to tell you right now. But we did listen to that. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean this year's. This year's? The new one. Oh, my. Okay. All right. So you forgot yours, too? Mm. All right, let's have a listen to the song by Wan Lee Home. We'll be back in just a moment with some tips for building consensus in these tough times. Okay. Okay. Do 梦想被冷冻站在自己的角落
building consensus so this is for you know election times it's for troubled times it's for when you know your kids can't agree on what to have for dinner mm. maybe you could use those tips then too really yeah okay. yeah right okay i think so let's do it all right so, so uh, what's the first one ellen cho look, look for, for a win, win. There's, there's always these... something to be positive about don't you think so so if your kids <laughs> let's say your kids one wants to go to uh, fast food joint A. Mm-hmm. Another one wants to go to fast food joint B. Mm-hmm. And you say, no kids, we're going to have veggies. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe the kids can be like, well, you know what? It's okay because this afternoon we had a great um, delicious snack at snack time. Trust me, this one <laughs> off the list. <laughs> Not working with kids. Oh, okay? Okay, They'll right. be like, no, I don't want, I want my burger. And then she, the other one, I want my fish burger. Oh. No, I want my fries at joint A. I want my fries at joint B. <laughs> so and, you know, the way to solve that yes. is that you guys don't get to pick. Oh. Mommy pick. Oh. Joint C. Right. But you can always encourage them to look for something positive regardless, right? They won't. Oh. Trust me. Okay. They well. always look at the negative part where... They don't get to pick. Well, I think they can definitely do number two. Okay. Feel. It's okay to acknowledge your feelings. <laughs> they, they're doing that. Yeah. They're yeah. like, I'm angry. Strongly. I'm angry. Yeah. It's not fair. Yes. Yeah. Number three, disconnect from negativity, from television, from social media, from hot takes and anger. Hmm. That's hard for kids to disconnect. It's hard it's, for adults to disconnect. It's hard for adults to disconnect at this period of time during or after election because when you turn on a TV, all they talk about is the result. And if you uh, look in the newspaper or if you look at your social media, people are talking about it, you know. So that's why you have to disconnect. Turn your social you media off. Go Turn into your the TV mountains. Off. Yes. Yes, I think you should take a hike. Are you telling me to take a hike, Ellen? <laughs> Everyone who wants to disconnect, just take a hike. After, I tell you, to be very honest, after the election's over, I'm going to turn my phone off. I'm just going to, I don't want to, I don't want to. You're not even going to answer my phone calls? Of course yours. Okay. But you have the private line. All right, the private <laughs> You've got line. the hotline. Ooh. All right, number four, connect. Find comfort in friends and family. Try to connect with people across the aisle in non-political ways. So maybe your kids can like connect with each other. 
<laughs> That's very difficult, too. No. All right, number five. Appreciate yourself and others. I appreciate you, Ellen Chu. I appreciate you, too. But kids won't appreciate each other. They only appreciate themselves. <laughs> okay, how about number six? Self-care. Get some rest and take care of your body and mind. Hmm. Huh. So maybe just give them a dose of, like, sleeping pill. Oh, that sounds illegal. <laughs> no, just kidding. I mean, self-care, okay? Tell them to just, you know, rest and take care of their body and mind. But, you know, for kids, it's hard. But for adults, I think, you know, it's a little bit hard, too. Mm. Because when you're really into the election, it's not just one day. It's been on and on for Maybe half a year already. Yeah, and in the States, so, we're going on like a year already. Right, so they're, you know, really into it. And if their party lost or the person they want to elect lost, it's kind of like a, well, it's kind of like they have to get healed psychologically. I think you need to just, I think disconnecting is probably the most important mm -hmm. one out of all of these. You need to decrease the number of negative messages. Mm -hmm. And that'll lead you to do maybe seven and eight to play it's okay to have fun and look for a distraction. Mm -hmm. Exercise, sweat out your emotions. You'll I feel better. I think exercise is the physically. best one. Physically. So I you, mean, when you're sweating, when you're working hard, you know, all the anger and upsetness just goes away. You get a boost of what, dopamine or something right. like that? Right, and that's happiness, okay? Yeah. So maybe your kids, maybe the last two will work best on them. You distract them, mm -hmm. and then you send them out to run around. That's right. But usually it's that, you know, kids are easy because once they get to the other place and then, you know, they start to forget yeah. that, yeah, you yeah. know, their choice. And then they start munching into the hamburger or whatever that mm. they didn't want. <laughs> and then you just ask them the question, didn't you not want to come here? And they're like, oh, it's okay. I don't think it's too bad. I enjoy it. That's you know? great. That's perfect. That's a, if we can all get that way with our presidential candidates, mm -hmm. and what a better world it would be. I think so, too. All right. Okay. So, let's uh, leave everybody with our addresses today on that positive note. All right. So, let me read out, like, all <laughs> our beautiful address. Okay. P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Email us at androo at rti.org.tw. And next Saturday, don't forget our feast. The Lunar Year is just around the corner, so we'll be... Introducing a very important long vegetable that people eat for their New Year's Eve dinner. Wow. Mm, it's, it's a veggie that you can't cut or bite in half. Why is that? Ooh, we'll have the answer next week. Mm. Okay? Mm -hmm. So one final song we have is, of course, Embrace Yourself, okay? Yeah, give yourself a big old hug, right? Yeah. This is by Elva Xiao Xia Xuan for Peace Peace West. I'm Andrew Ryan. And this is Ellen Chu. See you next week. Bye.
别放弃你的梦，别再忍耐你的可爱，把宇宙都包容。哦，重来回想每一个决定，重来回想认真的眼睛，现在我们宠爱自己Thank you for listening to Radio Taiwan International, broadcasting from Taipei, Taiwan. Check out our website at english.rti.org.tw. Again, that's english.rti.org.tw for the latest news and features from Taiwan. You can also listen to our programs and watch videos as well. Our 60-minute English language program can also be heard every day at the following times and frequencies: in Southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 6180 kilohertz. Again, that's in Southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 6180 kilohertz, and in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kilohertz. Again, that's in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kilohertz. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your comments to PO Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Again, that's PO Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Or send an email to rti at rti.org.tw. Again, that's rti at rti.org.tw. Also visit us on Facebook. The address is fb.me/radiotaiwanintl. Once again, on Facebook, we're located at fb.me/radiotaiwanintl for videos, photos, and news of interest from Taiwan. Thank you once again for listening to Radio Taiwan International.